Blog Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You once again I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine The memories living In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know what you have done Good evening, good evening, good evening everyone It's such a pleasure to be here with you guys tonight I'm your host, Dr. Nancy And I'm with my wonderful co-host tonight, Miss Annie and it's such a pleasure Hi. again to be here with you guys. Hi, Miss Annie. Hi. Good to hear from you. Looking forward to tonight's show. Uh, we have a wonderful uh, topic. We don't have a guest tonight, but we do have a good topic. But we're always open to other topics when we have an open panel. Uh, today we're on scan number 3303. And we are on NASCA Stop Child Abuse Now. NASCA stands for the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. And again, uh, if you'd like to be a part of the show today, please feel free to call the guest line at 646-595-2118. Again, that number is 646-595-2118. We would love to hear from you. I will read NASA's mission statement. We have a single purpose at NASA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional trauma, and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, Presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic, worldwide problem that affects everyone, and offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse, and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. <clears throat> so that's one of the wonderful things about NASA. Um, you know, we have this platform where we're able to share our story. Um, but not only do we share our story, we share some of the tools that have helped us to overcome some of the traumas that we've gone through. Um, you can also go on NASCA.org on that website. That's our website. Uh, and you're able to find a lot of tools to help with recovery, prevention, intervention, um, you know, information uh, 
on how to how survivors survive, you know. Um, the different forms of abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, mental abuse, neglect, child sexual abuse, domestic violence. We cover just many different topics. Missing kids. Uh, many many of the survivors lead into um, kidnapping. Uh, so we share that on the show. Uh, so the topics are pretty wide and cover a lot of different areas. So tonight's uh, show, and you guys, please excuse me <clears throat> if I have a few little baby pop attacks. I'll try to mute myself. I'll try to catch it as early as possible. As I was sharing with my wonderful co-host, I am recovering from COVID. Um, and so just a lot of coughing has really kind of affected um, my my life. Uh, so I'm still going through it. Trying to drink my water and trying to stay hydrated. All right. So, um, you know, one of the topics that we were talking about a little bit before the show started, um, uh, Annie and myself, we were talking about trauma. And we were, we were first, first before we were talking about trauma, we were talking about memories. You know, um, I was sharing with with her that you know I'm back in school right now, and I find myself forgetting things, too. She was sharing with me something similar, right? My Annie, you were sharing with me that you were kind of dealing a little bit with, with your memory as well? <clears throat> yes. Okay. And so, you know, we started to talk about how, you know, and, and we've been through a lot of these shows, and we've heard from a lot of other experts and other professionals how trauma can really affect memory. It it affects your brain, and it causes you to sometimes forget, right? So forgetting is a form of the brain. It's a way that the brain protects itself. It protects itself by creating this way of forgetting, which is great when it comes to trauma, but can be very dangerous when it comes to things like uh, you know, us remembering daily activities or um, for someone who's going back to school at a later time in their life. Um, so, you know, people that have experienced post-traumatic stress um, trauma and, and a lot of exposure to that, again, the, the brain does this wonderful, miraculous thing that helps to protect itself from further trauma. And sometimes it helps also to protect us from the past trauma by helping us to forget. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could be a very dangerous thing. Um, anybody have any comments about that? I even see my boy Philip. Hey, Philip. Production MC. Hi. Good to hear from Are you. you? Mhm. Well, I know that I'm not gonna put you in the hot seat, Philip. I'm just gonna open this up. I know you join a lot of these shows, so you, the more you join these shows, you start to become, you know, a, an expert in certain things, you know, because you've experienced your own set of uh, traumas, and having been through them, there's some things you can relate to, and you start to say, well, wow, wow, okay. And so you have a lot of knowledge. 
um, in in certain areas. Have you ever experienced like um, it's like memory impairment? That's what what uh, what is called. But have you ever <clears throat> experienced some of that? Where you yes. can't remember things, or randomly you'll get little flashbacks that you forgot about. Yes. Wow. Okay. Have you? So you have. Ex- oh yeah. Yeah. I um. I've had people remind me of things from back in the days, like, oh my God, I remember when we were younger. You used to always say that you're gonna do this, this, this. And you did it. And I'm like, I don't even remember telling you that, but okay, thank you. Or they'll tell me, people will bring up things like, oh, um, remember when we went through this? And I'm like, uh, no, I don't. There's a few things that are very highlighted in my mind, but there's a lot of things that I've forgotten. And some of the things people remind me of, I'm kind of happy that I've forgotten. So, you know, um, have you ever been reminded by people of certain things that have happened? No. Well, sort of on the show, I guess, maybe. Like, say people, if this makes sense, I'm not that good at talking. Um, like, if somebody brings up something on the show, then I can kind of remember that it happened to me. Wow. Yeah. Like, for example... <clears throat> you know, kids that have been exposed to domestic violence. I know the last show I was on, we were talking about, you know, kids that witnessed domestic violence. Um, and so I remember witnessing domestic violence as a child. And that's something that I really had put somewhere far in the back of my mind. And it came back to my thoughts during the show where I was like, wow, I clearly remember calling 911 crying and having witnessed this abuse on my mom. Um, And so it opened up a memory in my mind, and it it was, like, kind of very detailed, where I haven't thought about that for many years. So did you ever feel like some memories were open? Is that similar? What? Would you say that, Nancy? Okay. I see we have a new caller. No, I was saying um, that um, is that similar to what you experienced as far as going into uh, Miss Annie? I think we have a new caller. Um, is that something similar that you experienced? Yes, I'll go and answer that. Okay, thank you, ma'am. Yeah, like is that something that you experienced? Like, uh, like you said, when you called the show, sometimes it'll remind you a little bit of something that you can relate to. Yes. Wow. Yes. When you have that experience, how do you, can you share a little bit of how it makes you feel? Um, it makes me feel like I'm making progress and it does, and, and sometimes it makes me feel bad. So it makes me feel like I'm making progress because we're on the show talking about it, but it makes me feel kind of bad to remember it. Okay. So it's like a double type of emotion feeling? Yes. That's fair. I I could relate to that. That was good that you said that because um, it is kind of a mixed uh, emotion where you're kind of feeling like, well, I'm making progress, and I'm glad that you said that, um, Philip, because I, I can relate to that. 
where you'll feel like, well, I'm making progress, but then that memory also does make you feel a little sad, and it's and it's fair, you know. I think I started feeling like that when I started taking the time to feel for the child. Um, taking the time to feel for the child made me feel like, wow, that child really did go through some mess. Okay. I could see why there were times that I, I didn't like the person I was or I didn't like the person I became at times because that child went through some crazy mess, right? So you're able to get a chance to feel a little some empathy for that child. Do you get a, Do you feel like when you look at yourself now as an adult, do you feel for the child that you were? Like, do you feel bad for yourself? Not for yourself today, but... Do you ever take a moment to feel for the child? Yes, I feel bad for the for for that part of me. So, you? Yeah, I um I've gone through that where I've gotten a chance to really kind of process. Like I said last month, uh, last uh, week when I was on the show, and we were talking about the topic of domestic violence because it was Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Um. And they people started sharing some of the things that they witnessed as a child because we were talking about how trauma affects children when they experience domestic violence. And, you know, that's a form of abuse, okay, when the child witnesses those types of things. And so um, I it opened up a memory in the back of my mind that I put in the back of my head where I shared, you know, I, I watched my mom get abused. I saw her get pushed downstairs. Like, I, I really had to process a lot of emotions. There's things that I forgot about, never, haven't thought about in many years. But then when I really thought about, you know, I used to, I called 911 crying. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, I had a chance to feel for this out. So tonight what we're talking about, <clears throat> you have another caller here. Um, one of the things that we're talking about tonight is how trauma can affect our memory, um, you know, and the ability for our brain, because our brain is such an amazing, amazing, you know, organ in our body. Um, the brain is able to block some memories, okay, and disassociate, which is wonderful when it comes to trauma, um, but I think that person might be um, I wonder if that's Bob. Second one, but um, anyway, I'm um, sorry. So our brain is able to <clears throat> to block out trauma, but you know, and, and so we do a memory deficit. That's what a lot of people will call it. But the great thing about it is, um, it, it's a way that the brain just starts to protect itself and work on healing. So it protects us from keeping that memory in the forefront. It's in the back. We focus on new experiences or, you know, some of us who are actively working on it. Um, And then we pick up these tools to help us process when those memories do come to the forefront. Like I had last week, had a memory come to the forefront, and it was like, you know, I didn't feel like I would have probably felt had I not been doing the work with, with everyone like right now, what we're doing together, sharing, we're doing the work. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, tonight's topic was really 
about trauma and how trauma can affect memory. Um, and I shared earlier how I'm back in school and I'm having a hard time this semester um, remembering things. And trauma has affected my memory. And I'm like, maybe I need to contact my school and see what type of accommodations I may need because, dang, you know, uh, I'm being sometimes hard on myself. But guess what? Trauma does affect. And when I'm being gentle with myself, I'm reminding myself, hey, I'm not perfect. I'm still recovering from trauma, you know. Um, I don't know if anyone has had a similar experience with trauma. And even Annie, um, my co-host tonight, she shared earlier, she has been having a hard time with remembering. Miss Annie, can you tell us? I know I don't want to put you on the hot seat, but if you don't mind sharing, have you, you said that you were having some concerns in the area of memory. Can you share with yes. us like, some of that? I will. I, I want to share what happened to my memory when I was a kid. And I didn't even really realize this until, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago I could see it clearly. But when I was a kid, I would go to school not being aware of the abuse at home. And then I would come home, and there it would be. I could actually block it out of my mind completely. And then, after I had a mental breakdown in the fifth grade, I lost all memory of it until it came back when I was around 40, when some one of my uh, family members started to talk about it. That opened it up, and there it all was right in front of my face, like it had always been there. But it wasn't always there. It was hidden. So, and now today I do have trouble with memory because I live with one of my kids and he says that sometimes I'll ask him something and then half an hour later I'll um, ask him the same thing and he'll say, I already told you the answer. And sometimes I'll remember then and then other times I won't remember. It's just gone and and I was telling Dr. Nancy I think part of my problem is not hearing it in the first place not focusing on what I'm supposed to be paying attention to not focusing well enough to even register it in my mind and so if I if I wasn't focused on it I'm not going to remember it um, so I know I have to focus really hard if I want to remember. I have to take a lot of notes, write things down, and then look at them again. That's how, that's how I remember things. And I stick notes up on the wall, too, and in my calendar. And on my hands that. sometimes. <laughs> okay. Oh, I haven't tried that. That's a good one right there. You cannot forget it to put it on your hand. Well, that was good, Annie. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Because I no, went through a phase where I had... Oh, go ahead, Bob. Good to hear from you. Yeah, beautiful topic. And um, I'll just quickly share my own experience. By doing the work of healing the wounds of my childhood um, with my mentor at the time, John Bradshaw, I was frequently going back to my childhood 
and remembering each moment of terror. Like, I didn't get them all at once, but my understanding is that all those moments of terror are too, too painful for the conscious to deal with, so the, the mind hides them in the subconscious, but by repeatedly going back, repeatedly going back, and sitting in those memories of childhood, um, I, I got a, a clear recollection of all the incidences of abuse that I um, that I uh, went through, and so, which was really great because um, by the time I'd done that, you know, a hundred times, I had all the information I needed to write the letter to Mum to tell her how I felt about growing up as a, as a child in our family, and what I, what I realised is. Um, the current thinking, and I'm not really into thinking, is that um, you know those memories of trauma and terror are hidden in the subconscious. But for me, my my physical experiences, those wounds, those moments of terror, had an energy, and that energy got locked into my body as body memories. My issues were in my tissues. And it was only through allowing my body to get in touch with those old uh, body memories and release them in a physical way, like shaking, crying, screaming, ranting, sleeping. That's that's the way I managed to heal those uh, all those early childhood traumas. I hope I've said enough. <laughs> Coffee, anyone? Coffee, <laughs> thank you. Um, that was good what you said, you know, body memory, tissue, 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 it's so true. Um, my grandmother um, experienced a lot of trauma. She lost a few children when they were babies. Um, you know, she was poor. They didn't have hygiene, and the bottles, um, you know, created some bacteria, and the babies kept dying. And when she passed away, when she was um, at the ending of her life, she had Alzheimer's and dementia. And she kept repeating the same stories over and over again <clears throat> about how she lost these babies. So trauma, I'm sorry, if you're, if, if I hear a little background noise, so if, if there's some background noise behind you, please mute your mic yourself. Thank you. Um, and so she was just repeating these stories, and she, her brain was literally still holding on to some trauma. I know we have, um, I'm going to, I want to make sure that everyone gets a chance to speak. I see this wonderful uh, queen on the line uh, that I invited tonight, uh, Ms. Jade. I don't know if you got a chance to hear some of the topic, if you're ready to kind of share um, any thoughts that you may have, or if you want to wait till a little bit more talking goes on, that's fine. But I just want to make sure that I open up um the mic for you, ma'am. Hello, Queen, Dr. Nancy. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. So good. Thank you for showing up tonight. We appreciate it. Yes. You. As I said, let me at least do that. I, you know, am Thank extremely you. tired, but I said, let me, let, let me come on in. Good evening or good morning or wherever anybody is at. Hello to everyone. Yes, I did get a chance to listen, and I could really, from everyone's um, sharing, that I can um, really relate to 
each of you, actually, because I feel that my trauma started from the belly of my mother when she was pregnant with me. Because, unfortunately, um, you know, she was emotionally um, being abused by my dad, right? And, you know, she waited until I became an adult to kind of share that with me. I don't know how we had gotten on that topic, but she did because she always, like, for my mom, she didn't want me to – she wanted me to make my own decisions on how I felt about my dad. And so there were times when my mom was carrying me and she just was really tired and didn't really want to fix food. And she would ask my dad, you know, can you make me something? I'm just, you know, she's pregnant. She just just didn't have the strength. And he refused to make food for my mother. But nevertheless, I did, you know, she did carry the full term. I came out healthy. Everything was okay. But moving forward, like, you said, Dr. Nancy, I can really relate as far as today I'm still carrying that trauma. I can remember as early as when I was three, when I originally experienced that trauma up until my adulthood, and I tried to, you know, get therapy and talk and, you know, just the different things, reaching out to different outlets, and it was really a temporary fix for me. And so, you know, just I still experience that trauma and I can very much remember details for details. Um, I know you mentioned something for school and like my memory, sometimes I'll ask my kids something and I'll go back and be like, and repeat that question. And my son will say to me, mom, I just answered you that. And I was like, really? No, really? Did you? But he said, yes, I just I just answered it. And I said, oh, I'm sorry about that. But um, trauma, whether it's physical, verbal, emotional, spiritual, you know, it, it has a hold on me. And it's been taking more of a hold on me to the point where I had to stop school because I think I had shared with you, Dr. Nancy, that I was in school for criminal justice. And, you know, I was able to get, like, the ADA approval from school, get a little bit of resource, but I feel like I just, I don't know. I need something else, and I feel like I don't know what that I, what that need is, like, I don't know. I I feel like I've been through several different counselors, and I'll wrap it up. I feel like I've been through different counselors, and I'm just not getting what I need. So I definitely, like I said, I can relate to each person that did share. Thank you for sharing that, Ms. Jade. I'm going to definitely connect with you because I'm, I'm going to give you some, some shorter-term resources, and we'll talk after this. Okay. Um, thank All you right. for that. Thank you for transparency. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's not easy, you guys. Um, you know, when you've been through trauma and, wow, a lot of what I've heard tonight, I'm not going to lie, y'all, it, like, hits home. I don't know. Does anybody have a comment regarding what you just heard? 
Yeah, I think um, the only thing I would do, and I'd never give advice, um, but just from my own personal journey, um, I would thoroughly recommend healing the wounds of childhood. And for me, the grandfather of that work was John Bradshaw. Now, he has passed on, but his videos are available on YouTube. And his books, especially the book Homecoming, um, gave me a clear path to healing all those wounds of my childhood. So I thoroughly recommend it. Um, it's a courageous journey. It's about facing, <laughs> facing your demons, but realizing that the, the overwhelming feelings that you have, nobody ever died of feeling Lots of people die from not feeling, from swallowing their feelings. So that would be my recommendation to everybody. Go and do the work. And only you can. And the, the way it's set up is that it guides you to find your own answers because you are unique. And your answers and your solutions will be unique to you and your own journey. Right. Wow, that was pretty deep, eh? Yeah, that was perfect. Um, you know, I wanted to, um, again, thank you, Miss um, Jade, because you hit some heavy-duty points like bam, 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 that was so needed and so so uh, helpful. Bob, thank you for your input. <clears throat> I love that you always say, <clears throat> I'm not going to tell people what to do. I can speak about my own experience because you know how it is when people have been abusive and overstepped the boundary. Always love that you do that. And again, um, thanks, Philip, for, for sharing that as well. Go ahead, Bob. Yeah, it's simple, darling. It goes back to my Sue principle. We're all sovereign, unique, and equal. And from that standpoint, for me, unsolicited advice is abuse because it denies the sovereignty of the person that's on the other end of it. You know, so um, usually in my life, when I'm struggling the most, when I'm being challenged the most, that's when I learn the most. But it's at that time when all the rescuers arrive and say things like, oh, I know what you need to do, Bob. And I say, whoa, brother, whoa. You know, um, I am the only expert in my life. If, if you want to be a true friend, be here when I put my hand up and ask for help. Which So this is why I never give advice. I can't. All I have is my own story and it's only valid for me. But if it resonates with another person, well, that's great. That's great. And that's why I say, and it's the name of the group that I run, um, um, the answer is simple. We heal each other by sharing our stories. It is that simple. Right. Well. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. <laughs> You're right. And we do heal. We we heal. We heal as we as we share. I think um, that's such a powerful tool to be able to pour into others and be able to to heal. I mean, that's like a double, to me, that's a win-win, you know, the way I look at it. Um, it's a complete complete win-win. Uh, Annie, 
I wanted to come back to a question for you. Um, I don't know. If, I don't want to put you in the hot seat, but you know, Uh-oh. you said <laughs> you said you know that you you know had this mental breakdown at five years old, and then you how fifth grade. Fifth grade. I'm sorry, fifth grade. I'm sorry, my bad. All right, fifth grade. I do have fifth and grade. I don't know where I got that five. I, I just saw five and mental breakdown. All right, so you said that you had this mental breakdown in the fifth grade. Can you tell us a little bit about that mental breakdown in the fifth grade? Yeah, I uh, I came up with compulsive hand washing. And I couldn't leave the bathroom because every time I washed my hands, the air would have a germ in it and my hands would get germy and I'd have to wash them again. There was just this terrible obsession. And I, I took all the skin off my hands and I had to wear gloves and I couldn't stop. And and I ended up staying home from school for like, I don't even know, to me it seemed like a year, but maybe it wasn't a whole year. But in fifth grade, in fifth grade um, and I kept getting strep throat over and over at the same time that this hand washing was going on. And I also remember having, um, I don't even know what you'd call it, ideas about my father being like God and so... It, which he kind of was in the Catholic religion. Your father's supposed to be, you know, like God. And but I had it. I had a religious mania, and I was very confused. And I was convinced that I was damned to hell because of my father, and that, that there was nothing I could do. I remember that. Oh, you had to go through that. That's horrible. Uh, so you felt like you were, you were damned to hell? Damned to hell, yeah, because, you know, I went to Catholic school, and they told us about hell, and I knew about sin, and I I knew that what was going on was sin, and that there was nothing I could do, so I was going to hell. It was scary. It was really, I mean, because I totally believed in hell. That's, yeah, that's very scary. And I think <clears throat> how, how I don't know how old you are when you're in fifth grade. I can't think right now. Do you remember how old you were, Annie, in the fifth grade or what fifth graders age? I may have to Google. I think that's 10. Around 10 or so? Ten in the, yeah, I think so. Um, okay, so you had this mental breakdown, and then you forgot about everything after the mental breakdown? Yes, and I, I just went to school, and apparently it wasn't happening to me anymore at that point, because I think I would have remembered it again if it was, you know, so I think maybe it wasn't, and that's how I could forget it. Ooh. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I want to check in with Bob um, before he goes, because he has to go. Uh, but I wanna, I wanted him to share what he just, the message he shared with me. Bob, you still there? Yeah, I'm here, darling. 
Okay, what did you just send me? Go ahead. Well, you know, like all states of dis-ease, physical, have um, an emotional or spiritual source. And so for me, it just makes so much sense that um, because I believe each and every one of us is creating our lives, and if you're not, you're a victim. But um, so for me, strep throat comes from not speaking one's truth. It's, 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 it's a message it's from the body to you, to your essential you, saying, look, you know, you've got to speak the truth. And before that, you've got to find the truth. So, yeah. Anyway, I've got to go. Lots of love and um, let's Thank keep you on the healing. Talk to you later, Bob. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. Bye, Bye darlings. Wow. Alright, so we Bye-bye. still have and we have um Miss Dave, you know and that was that was kinda interesting, you know, because we talk about how um trauma can manifest in the body. So uh, you know, Bob shared that um reptile can come from not speaking, okay, strep in the throat can come from not speaking one's truth. There's a lot of issues that come from the stomach with anxiety, depression. The gut is one of the main sources of it holds bacteria. It's a lot going on. So um, I hear I, I hear some background noise. So if you're not speaking, if you don't please mind muting yourself, that'd be great. Um, just to kind of keep that. Okay, that sounds better. Whoever muted, perfect. Um, so if you if if you have anything to say to that, please open up your mic and share. What's your thought about how manacrama in the body can show up or has shown up for you? Please share. You are so right because um, <laughs> um, that is very true for me. It When I wasn't speaking up, that dis-ease and disease um, started from the gut. For me, and at the time that I was not speaking up and suffering, I guess if you will, suffering in silence or struggling in in silence, um, it just broke me down. Again, it broke me down spiritually. It definitely broke me down mentally, emotionally, physically. I just my body was torn. Just it was just bad. It really was. It was just bad. And it wasn't until I had to actually, um, before the pandemic, I was in um, the Buckhead area of Atlanta, Georgia, and I think I was either going to Barnes & Noble or I was going to Publix. I think I was going to Barnes & Noble because that was at that time kind of like my peace, peaceful place to go. And I had made a determination. I got on Facebook. I was just scared out of my mind, loads of anxiety. And one day, like, I just pressed play, and I started sharing my lived experience, not knowing, because we all know social media can be good, and it can be challenging as well. So I just didn't know what to expect, who was going to say what, but I just, 
I just stepped out. I guess stepped out on faith, if you will, <laughs> and started sharing my lived experience. And I was so surprised that so many people could relate, even if it wasn't directly them. They may have been a caregiver or they may have had a loved one in their family, um, experienced the things that I had shared at that time. And one of the things for me, in addition, that has been very helpful for me is being a part of National Alliance on Mental Illness, uh, NAMI, doing the In Our Own Voices. For me, that has been therapeutic. It allows me to get out of myself. It allows me to hear other individuals um, share their lived experiences um, as well, and for me to know that I am definitely not in it alone. And so that has been very helpful. It has helped me come, and it just, it just, it feels good. So I guess that could probably be one of my therapeutic avenues, if you will. I also love comedy. I'm telling you, comedy for me has been such a great thing. Um, my go-to is Golden Girls. When I am down, I can turn that on. There's other things I do as well, but when I listen to Golden Girls, and as much as I watch it, it's like every time I watch it is the first time. So there are little things that I do to bring myself back. And I like what the, the other gentleman said that, you know, pretty much he shares from his experience. He, he's not out here telling people what they should do. He shares from his experience because sometimes people um, can say they probably mean no harm, but they when they come with that, well, what you should do, no, no, that's not how you should approach it. You know, you can, you should, like, they should speak from their experience. So I definitely agree with him with that. I mean, overall, I I really can identify and relate to what everyone is saying. And I'm I'm really glad that I have this opportunity to be able to come on and listen because I like to listen as well as, you know, listen and take in what everyone is saying as well as share my experience. So thank you again. Well, thank you, Ms. Jade. That that was powerful. Um more well, a lot everything you said was great. But you know, one of the things that you said was comedy, you know, makes the body feel good. Comedy helps you to feel good. And I think that as we're focusing on our recovery, it's important for us to think about, you know, ways and learn ways, not just, okay, well, yeah, think. And also learn some ways of what will make us feel good because we have had so many experiences, traumatic, and have made us feel bad. Uh, But now, excuse me, we are – to, we have the power to feel good. Um, let me tell you something. Golden Girls, I don't know who's on the line that can agree, is epic. And when I watch it, it's timeless for me. They, they're, so, they're so silly, and it's just so relatable. And it's funny. 
and it helps to kind of disconnect and go in and just have a good, wholesome, healthy laugh. And um, I think with all the mess that's going on in the world, uh, it's always a pleasure to be able to have some healthy, wholesome, healthy, decent, not messy all the time, laugh, you know. And so um, has anybody had any experiences with um, any tools that have helped them? How about do you agree with some of what we're talking about as far as laughing, having some comedy in your life? Have you have have you tried that yourself, anyone? I laugh a lot, Miss Nancy, and it helps. It really helps. It really does help a lot. Yeah, I think it's is great, you know, to be able to to learn, you know, what works for me, what what helps me when when I'm going. Because let me tell you something, trauma recovery um, is a lifelong journey. Okay, um, it doesn't have to be a life of terror, as we continue to heal and grow, excuse me, um, you know, we learn tools to help us to regain control and help us in our healing journey. And I think laughter is so good for the soul. It's literally like soup for the soul. Uh, Laughter is uh, that for me. So I can agree. If you're not on TV yourself, I hear a little background. Might be Philip, you might have a little airy background. All right. So um, I don't know if anyone, um, I know that I, Annie, I wanted, don't put you in the hot seat, I'm coming back. Um, Philip, can you mute yourself? Let me just see if that's that's your background, a little here. Let me see. Um, I was on mute. Oh, you were? All right. Anybody? Okay, if you're not speaking, can you please mute yourself? This sounds a little airy in the background. All right. That's fine. It's still good. Okay. Okay. It just went away. So whoever did that, perfect. All right, y'all. So, um, Annie, I know you talked about when you came back, um, you know, once you got it to be an adult, these memories came back. That's what I meant to say. And, boy, some yes. of the memories came back. Mm-hmm. How? Pretty much all what of it came back at, at the same time except I remember one memory came later, but pretty much I I kind of remembered it all as soon as my memory opened. Do you remember what opened up your memory to have this flush of memories coming back? Yes. One of my relatives called and started talking about my dad being a pedophile. And it was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, there it is. Wow. I remembered all of that, yeah. Yeah, it was. It, it's so amazing to me that my brain could do that. That Because I, I lived all these years in, because it wasn't until I was like 40 that that happened. But I was always terrified, full of anxiety, full of depression, and I'm sure... That that being in my subconscious contributed to my mental health issues. 
Right. So um, can you share with us, like, some of the memories that maybe came back, if you feel comfortable sharing? Well, my earliest memory is um, being in a chair that my feet didn't touch the ground and being sexually abused by my dad. Um, so, yeah, he he sexually abused me when I was little. I don't know how little, um, but pretty little, like before kindergarten. And I don't really know how long it lasted. Um, I don't have clear memories, say, of anything in the third grade happening. I just don't have that, that time stamp on anything. Um, yeah, it was it was my dad, and then it was also an atmosphere of abuse. My mother was a hysterical screamer, and she just screamed all the time at everybody. And it was a, a terribly chaotic place. I had to do the cooking. I was the second daughter, and because uh, my mom couldn't do it, she she couldn't really manage much at all. And so my big sister, she was the mom, and I was the cook. And my little sister was too little to be in. <laughs> so yeah, that was Baby. what it was like. Did you ever get a chance um, to to address your father regarding some of these memories, or did you just keep it to yourself and work on it yourself? I never, I never spoke with him about it, but someone else did, um, did go to him and say, you know, this happened, blah 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 blah. He denied it, and um, my mom denied it too. So that didn't go well. Um, so did, and did your mom know about it? Okay. Yeah, my mom knew about it. I I have memories of my mom knowing about it. That's part of what I remember. Um, I was going to say something, and I forgot what it was. Oh, well. <laughs> I know I should have had interrupted you. I'm like that. I'm like, oh, please don't interrupt me because I forget quick. And I cut people yeah. off sometimes. <laughs> Not to be rude, but because I forget every, I forget a lot. So people, like people who are close to me, they know if I cut them off, they don't get offended because they know it's like, I'm trying to like remember the thought because I promise you, as quick as I interrupted you, it takes my thought away. I'm sorry. Yep. I should know better. That's all right. Yeah. Maybe it'll so, come back. Does anyone have any questions um, for Annie or any comments? I'm sorry you had to go through it, Annie. And, and, you know, you're, you're just such a beautiful person. You're such a beautiful person for sharing and caring enough about other survivors to open up something so deep. We we really appreciate you. Thank you. Okay. Does anyone have any comments hearing some of the story or any questions to, to um, from Ms. Anthony? Okay. No questions, no comments right now. All right. So, um, Miss Sidney, I have a question. How did you feel hearing that your father denied that behavior? 
What? How so do you I feel mean, knowing that he denied that behavior? And you know what yeah. happened. You know, pretty furious, especially in that both my parents were very religious. And, it, the you know, the, what is it? It's not irony. Hypocrisy. The hypocrisy of it was was made me very mad just that you know that they were pretending and when in fact they both knew the truth but they wouldn't they wouldn't acknowledge the truth so I I do want to say that before my mother died my dad died 10 years before my mother but before my mother died she asked me she said did your dad ever do anything to you and that's exactly how she put it and I knew exactly what she meant, and I said no, because I could not deal with discussing it with her. I couldn't, I couldn't deal with her knowing. I mean, she knew, but it's like with having it out and open with between us, I guess. By that time, I had already begun to speak publicly about it. And so, you know, I I was over a lot of my fear, but I could not talk to my mother. Wow. Why? <coughs> Why did you feel like you couldn't speak to her at that time? I'm sorry. Sorry, I was having a cough attack. Uh, I was oh. asking, why did you feel like you couldn't speak to her about that at that time? You know, it was like I had to protect her. I had to protect her from putting it out in the open between us. And so it was better if I just denied it and then it wasn't there. That's my usual practice. Just deny it. Ignore it and it'll go away. Oh, Wow. I'm sorry, you had to go through that. That's horrible, you know, because at the end of the day, it's your truth. Um, and you have to act as if it wasn't happening, and it was. Um, how did you kind of work through that? Like, um, I know you are an advocate, and I know you're very passionate about the work that you do to help others survive. How did you, what helped you through this? What has helped you? I know you said you've done, like, counseling and different, like, you, you're consistently working on yourself. How did you, what's a, what are some of the tools that helped you or any words to help others? Well, I think the number one tool was peer-to-peer uh, groups where I would go to, a group and everybody in there was a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. And so they, we all understood each other. And just being, hearing other people's stories and knowing that they were the same as mine was, that was a big eye opener because, you know, I had, once I was aware of it again, I was, you know, I certainly wasn't going to talk about it with anybody, you know. <laughs> the shame was there. Um, it took a long time to to realize that that wasn't my shame. Not my shame. Um, 
Wow. Did I answer your question? I forgot what it was. Yeah. Really. No, that was good. <laughs> you said not my shame. Um, I know I went through a lot of shame. Like, I still have dealt with a lot of shame. Um, there's certain things I talk about publicly. There's certain things I don't talk about publicly. Because I have, I still have some form of shame. Um, mm-hmm. It's disgusting, some of the things I had to do at five years old, and it's just disgusting. Who did those things to me? Again, my father as well. Um, and so it's, just, it's very traumatic. I'm still going through, even though I help people. I help people in other areas, um, you know, <clears throat> and also in the same area. But for me... It really, I can relate to the fact that it's very shameful and it's very hurtful. And um, and for me, every day, you know, all you can do is work on yourself. I just try to do something every day to work on me, whether I write something positive or I try to help someone or I try to change my own ways to this times that I've fallen short and, um, and have allowed some of that hurt to trickle in other areas or maybe even hurt people in the past. So I just try to be conscious of that today and just keep trying and just keep trying and just keep trying every day. Um, I don't know if anyone has a comment or a question or could relate to some of what we're talking about. Just want to open up the mic. I'm going to mute because my dog is talking to me. <laughs> Thank you. All right, so I don't know, Philip or Jade, if you guys have anything um, to add in regards to maybe some of the tools or some of the things that's helped you in your recovery. Um, if you can relate to anything we talked about, please share. That would be great. Um, I have to leave. I'm going to church. All right, Philip. Well, thank you for, for squeezing us in your schedule. We appreciate you. Okay, goodbye, guys. And have a good service. Talk next time. Thank you. Bye. You're welcome. Bye. All right, Miss Jade. I don't know if I'm mm-hmm. what we were talking. I did. Um, and I then, we don't have nobody but us. So anything you want to say, take your time. You ain't in no rush because we got like uh-huh. 30 minutes left of the show. <laughs> Please feel free okay. to talk. Well, I can definitely relate, of course. I can definitely relate because every day is really one footstep in front of the other in front of the other, um, just working on not being so angry at times because I still get angry. And even though, you know, both my parents are have transitioned, um, I think, well, I know, not I think. I know that I have questions, especially for my dad. My dad never... Um, physically harm me or anything like that. However, um, his words did hurt, and he's never cursed, like he's never cursed at me or anything, but I can remember when I was 16, and I, I only thing I really wanted was a sweet 16 party, and he told me I was too old to have a 16 party, and that really hurt me because I never wanted a lot from him. Of course, I wanted his love, but I just wanted like a sweet 16 party. And he just didn't allow me to have it. And I think because my parents weren't married, um, there was some 
shame in the family, especially, well, on both sides, but especially on his side as well. Um, And I believe that he was very disappointed because I wasn't the boy that he wanted. And so that was challenging. But yet he I would he would I would find myself the only time he would kinda of come around and so I will say that I was grateful that he was there for me when I had my daughter. He was there. Um, as well as my mom, but he definitely was there. Um And so there, there has, and my dad's been, my dad has been passed on since 2014, May 7th, 2014. So there are still some unresolved issues. I have those daddy abandonment issues, and I have those daddy angry issues because how could you treat mom? How could you treat mom like that while she was carrying me? And I do remember them getting probably like in a one one argument that I heard and saw, and there was some plates of uh, plates or something flying back and forth in the air. He may have tried to put his hands on my mother that one and only good time, and she flipped. <laughs> Um, and as far as like with my mom, I have some unresolved issues. Like I felt in my mind when she disciplined me, I don't, I, I don't see it as the, the way that she disciplined me, I see it as a beating because she knew how to perfectly beat me without anyone at seeing me because she couldn't hit my face because I was too light. And so she would hit me in the parts where they couldn't see me that hurt. And then with her beating, again, in my eyesight, with her beating me, um, where was I going with it? With her beating me, she beat me with no clothes on. She said, I did not buy your clothes to beat you in them. Take your clothes off. (laughs) So... There's some unresolved issues with that, but yet I really, I really love my mom, and I still love her. You know, it's coming up on two years with her being gone Christmas Eve, the two years. So there's just some unresolved things, as well as the grief is definitely unresolved with my mom. I don't know how to quite feel with my dad with the grief, but the grief with my mother is unresolved, and I say that because at the and there's a little bit of guilt, and I say that because um, I wasn't there when she passed. That's what I feel guilty of because she passed away in Jersey and I was in Atlanta, and I couldn't get there. So I feel guilty about that. So that's something that I'm working through. That's something that I need as well as the grief. I really haven't had a therapist that has worked on the grief and other things that I feel. Now, I already said earlier that I did let that individual when I was three that traumatized me mentally, sexually, how I felt. Um, And then 
the person, you know how you, I don't know, but I don't know if you ever experienced like, you know, like I grew up around a lot of people where we still called them cousins and aunts and uncles and things like that. So I had someone who I called the aunt. She, Her and my mother went out, and the son watched me. And I wasn't even a teen. I think I may have been a preteen. And he sexually traumatized me and threatened me that if I told my mom, some harm would come to her. So I never told my mom about that. And I have not even told him that I knew what you did. So just a bunch of stuff. But tools that I'm working on right now for myself, I walk a lot, and that's very helpful. I walk as much as I can until my neuropathy um, gets the best of me. Um, But I love to walk um, because that, that is very helpful. I like to be in places in nature that gives me some peace. Um, I like to tap into my spirituality. That could be anything. That could be reading a Bible. That could be doing a chant. That could just be sitting still. So there are some things that I definitely try to do. Music is very soothing. Again, Golden Girls any or anything that is comedy. And the one thing I like about Golden Girls is that they had real-life things with them. They were, what, middle-aged, so they were kind of a little bit on the – older side, but they had real-life shows that include depression and anxiety and what does it look like to get older and father issues and just different type of situations. So that was very relatable to me. So, yeah, just for me, it's just one footstep in front of the other and trying to be my best self and know that there's going to be days that I'm not going to be okay and that's okay. So, yeah. That was good. Well, thank you for sharing that, Ms. Jade. Um, I wanted to ask you, well, first of all, I wanted to say I'm sorry that you had to go through that and um, it was a lot of different parts to that that I had questions for, but what I, what, I, what I wanted to ask you about was this individual that you said, you know, had crossed the line with you and then made threatens you that he would bring harm to your family. Um, that's something that a lot of abusers do where they threaten you or, you mm-hmm. know, befriend that. And I just wanted to know if you can just kind of kind of talk a little bit about how that made you feel, like, to not be able to be a voice for yourself um, and not be able to address that? Like, how did that, yeah. did that happen? How did you, no, how does that, what? I'm sorry. Say that again, that part. No, I was saying just um, how, I mean, I cannot, how did that make you feel? And how do you even deal with that at that time of that age? Oh, Wow. And because at that time, at that time frame and, and my age, I was very shy, believe it or not. <laughs> I was very shy growing up. I didn't have a full back backbone, so to speak. Um, I was very timid, very shy, um, very 
quiet, but I mean, I did speak, but I think it was just how I was brought up, my household. Being, even though my dad was in the military, he really wasn't around. So I was brought up with my mom, very religious. They didn't say spiritual back then. So for then, very religious um, and things just had to be in a set way. Even though I was exposed to the world as far as, yeah, I got a chance to travel with my mother, um, but I didn't have that mom that taught me to speak up the do's and the don'ts. We just we just didn't do that in my household. So being young and him saying that because kids then, as I'm sure probably now, but definitely then, me going to say, oh, he did that to me, adults back then wouldn't have believed it. And so I probably would have gotten in trouble. And so I just kept it quiet. And regardless, like, of what my mom may have did, and I know that she was a good person, but I also found out later that that. I don't know for a better word, generational thing, um, those challenges were passed down because my mother was quiet growing up, and she got traumatized by her uncle, and she kept that quiet for the majority of her life. I mean, I, honestly, I'm probably the only person that she told because that just wasn't something in her time in her time frame that was talked about. And for me in my time frame, in my 60s, 70s, that just wasn't talked about in my household. It just wasn't. So I didn't want nothing to happen to my mom, so mm-mm, I was not going to say anything. Now, being an adult, I, I have lots of anxiety of approaching him. I do. On the phone, that is, because he's in a totally different state. And um, told his, I told his best friend what happened. I wound up, I just let it out, um, probably like last year. Um, and so I don't, I, I don't know if I want to tell him that, to let him know I know what you did when I was a preteen, what you did in the hallway of my mother's apartment. Um. He just did some, yeah, he just did some things. But if I don't share it with him, I need to find a way where I can have healing for me because I don't have it. I cover, I cover, I cover a lot of things up. I do. Because I feel like I'm disappointed in the system as far as getting those resources that I need, I just feel like I've been disappointed with um, different therapists and psychologists that I've had. So, yeah, trying to just trying to find ways for Jay to be happy again and find peace and calm 
that's that's where I'm at right now. Well, I think um, it is very scary to address the abuse. It can be very scary to address the abuser, especially mm-hmm. if they have that type of authoritative figure, even though we're adults today. It's still a psychological thing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought up your mom because I was going to um, say a lot of times when kids <clears throat> um, go through abuse, if you ever sit down and really, like, interview the mom or the adult who did the abuse thing, <clears throat> and you hear their story, a lot of times you'll feel bad for the child. Um, the one we went to, but I'm saying that when you hear their story, um, there's a history of abuse somewhere where you're like, mm-hmm. oh, uh, you know, she told you about something she went through, but there's probably a lot of other stories she's never told a soul. What right. must it be like to have these stories buried inside of you where you've never even got help getting them out? And you've gotten to the age you've gotten to carrying these stories. Uh, the torture that is attached to those stories, um, it, must be so, it must be so difficult. And so not learning, you know, healthy ways of dealing with things that hurt us or heeding some of these things that we've been through, even with our children, mm-hmm. can happen because we didn't get the right tools or the support. Like today we were able to speak to people. And so we get this type of support. One of the things that I do with my clients when I'm doing counseling, and I I have a lot of people who've been through abuse, like I've done this myself. So this is something I kind of do with my clients. Um, Ms. Jadis, I have them write a letter to the person who hurt you. Um, And that could be a letter to your dad. And that could be a letter to your mom. And whenever you have these emotions, you go in and you add to the letter. Um, so some people there, the parent has passed away. So, you know, they're like, this is the third letter I wrote. And they never even got the first letter. And I'm like, it's okay. You writing it out and getting it out <laughs> is very therapeutic. And so it helps. You know, that's something that I've done. I'm just sharing that. I'm not telling you what to do, just like Bob said. But maybe, you know, that's something that you can try, you know, try out and see if it, if you, I know um, it helped me. And I've done it with a few people where they'll write a letter, even to the people that are living. And then, you know, I'll tell them, hey, think about it, process it. At some point, if you want to, um, you know, copy, paste, take out something from that letter, from the raw letter that you're keeping and give them the other letter, then you still send them the other letter and let them hear you where you're at because you don't have to face that person, um, you know, that that fear of facing that person and saying it to them and scared of what they may respond. It could be very overwhelming. But writing a Mm -hmm. letter, they have to hear what you're saying and they can't interrupt you. They have to hear it, reread it, process it, and hear you for real. Um. So that's something that um, maybe I would try with the person who is living. Um, send them the letter. Oh well, it is what it is. You know, boop, part of my healing. This is me. It, it, I, I really, 
feel like at this point, for me, I personally did face my abuser and, and have a, a sit down and talk. At that time, I had the strength that only God could give me because I have no idea where I got it from. Um, but if I didn't do that, maybe a letter, because he wrote me a letter one time and he was asking me for stuff and asking me for help and trying to move in with me and my kids. I was like, boy, you crazy. Okay, and mm-hmm. oh, nobody cares about me, and my kids don't care about me, and bomb me. And I, I had to let it mm-hmm. for a while. I don't know where, where it is now because I moved a few times since, um, so I don't have it. But, um, you know, some people are bold enough to do it, and they don't have the right to do it. So sometimes you know you have the right to do it and, and to express your feelings. Miss um, Annie, <laughs> I don't know if I know you had your um, – your doggies in the background, but do you have any thoughts or any comments about that, about what we're talking about? Oh, um, not really. I hate it when that happens. My, my, my brain is just like, no, there's no thought in here at all. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll I'll pass right now. Thank you. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're just talking about, Processing emotions is very difficult, and we do have the right to heal, and, you know, we have the right to feel, and we have the right to heal, and we owe it to ourselves. Um, I do a lot of work with my inner child where, no, I couldn't stand up for you back then, little Nancy, but guess what? Today, I can, and, you know... And and you don't have to put up with that abuse. You don't have to deal with that. Um, and so still trying not to be confrontational, but trying to make sure that that I protect myself and I and I don't allow people access to to hurt me. I try myself to just get out of the way from if I feel hurt. A lot of times our brains, not just mine, but our brains may play tricks on us because we've been through trauma. And so our guards are up even higher because of the abuse that we've been through to the point that we expect people to fail us sometimes. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. We expect people to fail or... You already have a guard up. I can say that I I guard up. My apologies. Um, I I definitely feel like I have my guard up on uh, on different um, you know situations. And yes, that's that's definitely due to the trauma you else. And I was going to say briefly, but I can't remember what you had just. Um, what you had just said, you had just said, but yes, guard is up, you know, and I know on one side of my brain, I know everybody's not alike, I know that, but then on that other side of the brain, um, it's just like, mm. and, 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 and because I, the doctors say I have schizoaffective disorder, um, from time to time, I struggle with that, which I think that that's for me. Just a lot of that could be like, as I call it, devilish functions or negative energy or, or you know, things like things like that. I've been really like, you know, 
I, I never, with the diagnosis that I've been given, um, I don't allow them. I do my best. Let me say that. I, I, I don't use those as excuses. Um, and I try to live. I forgot what I was going to say, but, yeah, I just say I can totally feel and so good. Like, I had it in my brain, and then now it's gone. And probably when I get off the phone, it's like, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Um, but I just overall, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with that, that trust thing. I do have that. I do struggle with that. Yeah. And perfect timing for forgetting, because that's something we were sharing earlier that we, we deal with. <laughs> it'll be right at the top of our, um, thoughts. And then just like that, it'll go. Um, and I'm sorry for my coughing. I was sharing earlier, recovering from COVID. So. I'm coughing, going through it. Um, so I'm feeling better, but I'm still in the coughing, coughing stage. Um, so one of the things that also um, I had mentioned earlier was feeling for the for the inner child and being okay with standing up and showing up for that child. And I think even, you know, um, we've done – Ms. Jade and I have done in our own voices together and we've done it individually as well but I think that when we share our story that's like a form of showing up for that little girl because when that little girl was little she wasn't allowed to to show up for herself so what's your your thought about that or do you um, what, what do you think about that Showing up for the little girl, Is it for is Anne? Was that for Anne? Mm, that's for anybody. Oh, I thought Ms. it was Jane. for Jade. Mm-hmm. It was for Jade, but anybody can. <laughs> Go ahead, Jade. Um, just briefly, yes, I totally agree, um, Doctor Nancy, on that showing up for that little girl that couldn't show up for herself at three years old when she got traumatized. So, yes, definitely um, just whether it's doing the In Our Own Voice platform or whether it's just doing a platform, you know, some type of uh, just outside of In Our Own Voice, definitely showing up for her because, you know, I – I'm sure you know. I'm just meeting Anne, but I don't know if I shared in, in any of our any of our own in our own voices, you know, um, because I I was born Aisha. That that's my birth name, Aisha, and because I was so traumatized um, throughout the majority of my life, she's she's in a bubble, <laughs> and I know it's not a personality disorder. But I have created my nickname to be Jade because I feel like, and maybe it may make sense or maybe it don't, but I feel like because I've kind of created how stars kind of have like that show name or stage name, that's what I did for myself because I feel like Jade is the comforter to Aisha, but I know that they're one and the same, but I still have that. Um, hurt that I'm dealing with from being that little girl. So, yes, Jade is showing up for Aisha, and I hope that makes sense. Yeah, 
Oh, yeah, that makes complete sense. Um, I know uh, one of our the other hosts, her name is Victoria. She shared about the power of changing her name and what it means to her today. And I think that that's very powerful that you shared that because, you know, you're you're standing up for that little girl. And so that person that went through trauma, abuse, hurt, and broken down, you're like the big sister saying, oh, no, you won't. You know, I'm strong, and no, you will not. Um, and mm-hmm. so it takes a lot of courage to be able to do that. Miss um, Annie, have you had to show up for the little girl? Yes, I have. I have, and I've had to calm her slash myself when when I react from the place of the little girl rather than from the grown-up which happens sometimes, you know, sometimes something that nobody would think anything of will turn me into a five-year-old, you know, like the smell of something will trigger it, and then I can't act out of my adult self. I don't know. Does that make sense? Am I crazy? (laughs) What do you think about that, Dave? That's true. That's true. Jay, sorry. What was that last part that Ann said? I didn't quite mm-hmm. catch that I said, "Am I crazy?" Oh, absolutely. No, but what not. did you say? <laughs> right? No, you're not. <laughs> I was trying to hear what. Absolutely, what was that last you're not. But what's the line before that, Miss uh, Miss Andy? Uh, well, I was. I was. I was talking about how um, sometimes I'm like the little girl or I react like the little girl with fear and stuff like that. And other times I'm the adult. And then I thought, well, maybe that's, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe, I don't know, do I have a split personality or something? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Not absolutely not at all. Because I know that I've had, I've had that you know, experience, you know, I feel like I, you know, not recently, but I have had an experience of being that little girl and crying and wanting mommy and, and, you know, um, I've had those different experiences, even feeling like I was a bad mother because I was, I was a teenager when I had my daughter and then I was Uh in my, you know, early 20s when I had my son and married, two kids and married by 25. And that just was the first thing ever. Um, Then, I mean, you know, well wishes to him now. But still, I don't think that you're, I don't think that you're crazy, but I see why you say that because I don't really tell people kind of like where the jade came from, like me giving myself that that name because I feel like she is, like Dr. Nancy said, like the big sister of Aisha. And my name, Aisha, is very powerful. It means prosperous life. And so yeah. she, she's come. She has progressed a little, but she needs, she still needs that big sister, Jade. And no, I don't think that I have split personalities. I don't think that I'm borderline, you know, personality. No, none of that, you know. Right. It's, it's 
it's a it's a healing thing, and it's and it's okay. Yep. All right, y'all. So that was perfect, and it is okay. So we're down to a minute and twenty five seconds. Um, just want to say thank you to everyone that joined us tonight. Thank you, Miss Dave, for coming on. And, um, Thank you, Doc. We can't wait to have you as a guest. She's going to be coming on soon and be a special guest. And we'll mm-hmm. get a chance to really hear her story and interview her uh, regarding her story. Uh, so I just want to say again, thank you for um, for sharing tonight. Thank you to Miss um, Annie for co-hosting. It's always a pleasure. I just put a little mute because I hear little babies in the background, but I'm going to have you say good night. <laughs> Very yeah, nice to meet Dave. you. Oh, good night, Dave. Thank you, Miss Annie. Yes, I'm here. Good night. Okay, good. Just wanted to say good night. Um, and thank you, Dave, for coming. We appreciate you. We can't wait to have you as a guest, and we can't wait to hear your testimony. I know it's very powerful. I've heard some of it, and uh, looking at having you on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. I look forward to being on the show. And thank you, Dr. Nancy, for all that you do with this platform. It's so very much needed. Thank you. Have a good night, everyone. Have a good night. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.